they um what I read was that during World War oh World War One or World War Two, I'm not sure which, that the um they collected the guano, which is bat poop, out of the caves and used it in the making of TNT. No crap. Welcome to the Winnie and Bill Chat Podcast. This is episode 11 of season 2, and we're calling this one Penny Candies and Sapphire. Hello, that was my husband Bill, and my name is Winnie, and we are the owners of Quiet Shutter Fine Art and Photography. The way we do our podcast is we will post nine photos to our Instagram account, which is Quiet Shutter Photo. And we will go through the photos and talk about the backstory or what went into making that picture. You can follow along as you're listening or you can check them out later. But before we get going, I want to thank Anchor Podcasting. Anchor is a free podcasting platform. You can access it from the web or from a smart, um, an app on your smartphone. Uh, pretty easy to use. If we can do it. You can do it too. So thanks, Anchor. Thanks, Anchor. Also want to thank our son, Outdoor Andy, on Instagram and Twitch. Uh, Andy has been our sound engineer, and so our quality sound comes from Andy. Thank you, sir. So today we're kind of going back in the way, way back machine to uh, a trip that we took in 2013. Wow, that was a long time ago. I didn't realize it was that far back. I know, time just really seems to fly by, doesn't it? Crazy. It was a trip we took. We were out in Montana visiting our daughter, Lauren. And when we go out there, we try to explore different areas every time. And if we can find an area to explore that she has not seen before, that's a bonus. So um, on this trip, we went north of Bozeman, Montana. North and west. And we made a stop at, uh, our first stop was at the um, Lewis and Clark State Park. And in the state park, there are caverns or caves. So do you know why these caves are called the Lewis and Clark Caverns, Bill? No, but I think that probably has something to do with Lewis and Clark stumbling onto them at some point. You think that Lewis and Clark found these caves or explored these caves or stayed in the caves? They probably claimed that they did. <laughs> well, the truth of the matter is Lewis and Clark didn't even know they were there. Shocker. They didn't even, they're, Lewis and Clark have nothing to do with these caves other than they're, the trail that they took went through what is the state park today. Okay. And so the trail is within viewing distance of when you're up at the opening of the cave. But I, doesn't that crack you up? I remember at the time thinking, how did Lewis and Clark even find this? I well, mean, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Two um, ranchers, I believe the story goes, 
were out hunting. Maybe they weren't ranchers, they were hunters. And they noticed that there was steam coming up out of an opening in the mountain. And so they went and explored and found that it was a cave. Now, they didn't explore the caves right away. Um, and there was a lot of fiasco as to who owned them. The, those people tried to um, make a mineral claim. Is that how yeah. you? Yeah, probably. And the railroads, boy, those railroads were buggers, eh? Still are. <laughs> the railroads um, disputed the claim and the courts awarded the railroads the ownership of that land. And then they turned around and gave it to the federal government. Hmm. Imagine that. Yeah. And so for a while, the Lewis and Clark Caverns were considered a national monument. Okay. But then down the road, it was reevaluated and they didn't really fit um, the requirements for being considered a national monument. So the federal government gave it back to the state of Montana. So now it's a state park. And yeah, they think that perhaps Native Americans knew that the caves were there. However, no artifacts have ever been found in the cave to indicate that Native Americans used the caves or were in the caves or left anything behind anyways. Interesting. So do you love going down into caves? Have you ever done it before? Well, yeah, you've done it before. We did the, like the Tom Sawyer caves in Hannibal, Missouri years ago, right? Yeah. Actually, when I was a kid, there's some ca caves in the West end of the UP that they're iron, they're actually iron mines, but they were, they were a lot of cave-like cave <clears throat> structure in those mines too. So those were man-made caves. Yeah. Yeah. These are all. This is a natural natural. Cave. But I always find them interesting. Yeah. So, um, when you go exploring caves, it's called spelunking. spelunking. Yeah. Probably only if you're like serious cave explorer. We're just tourists. That's what they call us. Tourists. Yeah, tourists. So, um, the Lewis and Clark caves are found near the town of, let me just look at my notes, um, near Whitehall, Montana. And you pull into the, there's kind of a long windy road and you then get to, and you're climbing, right? The whole time? Yeah. Climbing elevation. Yeah. It, there's a, yeah, it's almost like a little bit of a switchback road to get in there. It kind of winds back and forth. And then all of a sudden you're in a kind of a good sized parking lot with a welcome center. And, and we were there in April. So it was before the real tourist season. So the parking lot was pretty much empty. Right. And we went into the visitor center and asked when the next cave tour would be and signed up. I think it's only like $12 a person or something to explore the cave or take a tour rather. So uh, we signed up. We had to wait around for a little while. And then a tour guide will, who is also a park ranger, correct? Yes. Will take you on the hike to get up further higher up to the opening of the cave. and. We've talked about this before. I am not, I am not an athlete. I'm not in the best shape. And especially when we're out West climbing in elevation, by the time we got to the opening of the cave, I, I felt like I might be done. Sucks, sucks the life out of you pretty quickly. <laughs> I'm always the last one in the row. Yeah. So thank goodness when we got up there, they have some benches 
and they have you sit down and they give you all the rules about what to, what it's going to be like in the cave, what you have to do, what you can't do. They, um, do you remember that one thing important they asked if you had been in any other caves in the last little while? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. there are certain bat diseases and we all know too much about bat diseases now Yes, that can transfer from one kind of a bat to another that could wipe out a whole colony. And um, so if you had, they were going to make you wear protective coverings on your shoes. Yeah, they, they didn't want um, you tracking in bacteria of some kind. Seems like they made everybody scrape their feet on this mat anyways. But yeah. Yeah, if you had been in other caves or that type of terrain in the last three days or something like that, they wanted you to put a, a covering over your feet. Yeah. I wonder why they don't have you like step in a shallow container with disinfectant or something. I've seen that done in other situations. Yeah, I, don't I don't know if they just didn't have it set up because it was early in the year or like that would be a smart thing to yeah, do. It you, seems like that would, that would make more sense. I thought so there, we didn't see any bats in this cave, but there evidently are bats that live in this cave. Not as many as there used to be. Um, the bats that live in this cave are called Western big eared bats. And nowadays only the females live in this cave and they figure between 50 to 150 of them. They come to this cave to raise their babies, to, to have their brood, to raise their babies. No males though. And they suspect that males are staying in a nearby um, cave somewhere else. Women's that, club. Isn't it's that, yeah, it's women's, a women's it's club. It's the bat nursery. It's the, um, instead of a man cave, it's the lady. The she shed. She shed. <laughs> slash cave. <laughs> slash cave. So the bats are, are kind of endangered. So they're really particular about you being careful of the bats. Um, I remember them telling us no flash photography in certain areas of the tour because it would be uh, disruptive to the bats. And um, for anybody who, um, I just read a thing about COVID, they're allowing tours this summer through the cave, but you still have to wear a mask. And if you can't wear a mask, you have to take a, an altered version of the tour. The normal tour is about two hours. The altered version is only one hour and they only take you into the areas of the cave that do not house bats. If you can't wear a mask. I almost think that's what we took because when we were there, because yeah. it didn't seem like we were in the cave for two hours when we I were there. I think so. When you're doing something like, like that, time flies. Sure. Because they did kind of show us the area. Oh, there's usually bats here. And maybe in early April, maybe they're not there. They you may know, not yet. have migrated back at yeah. that point. Yeah. They, um, what I read was that during World War, oh, World War One or World War Two, I'm not sure which that the um they collected the guano which is bat poop out of the caves and used it in the making of tnt no crap <laughs> isn't that crazy yeah i mean i've heard that ladies mascara is made from bat guano or it used to be mm. isn't that gross yeah that's really yeah. gross and one other interesting thing um about the caves that's noteworthy is that um, in preparing these caves to be 
accessible to tourists. A lot of work had to be done. Uh, initially, when the caves were found, people could go in and look at them by descending on a really long handmade ladder. Can you imagine? Into the darkness. Yeah. But nowadays, it's it's pretty much, you know, easily accessible. And the, um, what do you call the, what is the CCC short for? Um, Conservation Corps. Civil Civil, Conservation Corps. Yeah. So the CCC um, movement in the, would that be the 30s? Um, Yes. Anyways, they had a lot to do with making the caves accessible. So our first picture today, Bill, are you looking at it? I am. It's a, go ahead and describe it. I used a flash in this one, you can tell. (laughs) This is actually a picture of our daughter Lauren and I in inside the cave this was several of the spots in the cave itself would uh, you'd kind of walk through some narrows and then all of a sudden it would open up into a a big pocket that was i think um, they referred to them as rooms yeah but they were some of them were huge but the uh this i can never remember with stalactite or stalagmite depending stalactites on which- are from the ceiling down stalagmites grow up i believe well the stalactites then that we were looking at at were uh they were just all kinds of different colors it was pretty crazy um and there was big pockets of salt and lime that had streaked through there and had dripped over uh the rock over the years and yeah it um, just looks like dinosaur teeth (laughs) yeah a lot of it did look like this might have been in the room they called the cathedral. It Probably. just opened up into a huge opening and it had so many stalactites and stalagmites that it just looked like a, a um yeah, like a cathedral or castle or right. It was very cool. Right. And they did have it lit somewhat so you could see all the different uh, structures in there. It made uh, it very dramatic. Right. And you can see in the on the left hand side of the picture there's a set of stairs that you walk down into um when we were in this cavern you actually started up on top of the of a a hill and just kind of wandered kind of zigzag back and forth through this set of caves and came out at the bottom of it um it was kind of cool thing because typically you would think that you'd be going down into a cave and then coming back out but they had cut um openings through it enough that they could just Kind of stair step you down back to the to the welcome center was all said and done. It was really cool. I would do this again. I think. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, you know they. I you know let's go to our next picture. I've got to back up. I forgot to say something when we were at the when we finally made it up the climb the hike to get to the opening of the cave and we sat on the benches. Our um, ranger tour guide got a call on her um, walkie talkie. Yep. <laughs> And it said, we got another, we got another person to join your group. Can you wait for him before you go in? And I'm thinking, man, it took us 20 minutes to hike up here. We're going to have to sit here for 20 minutes waiting for someone to join us. And in no time at all, this old guy, how old do you think this? And he's in this next picture. How old do you think this guy is? I really don't know exactly how old, but he must have been pushing 80 years old. 
He was a, I heard him say he was a retired auto worker from Ohio. And he was feisty. Yes, he was. Our ranger was a woman and she was probably in her 40s, 40s, late 40s, maybe. He was, like you said, pushing 80. And he was flirting with our ranger. Oh, he was (laughs) hitting on her big time. He was the whole trip. But yeah, he climbed that hike no problem at all. And uh, yeah, he had no trouble on this on this tour. And so in this picture, you can see the old guy um, standing in the cave, taking a picture with his point and shoot camera. And Bill, do you see what's right in front of him? What he was about to do? I believe this is yeah, the spot there was, where there was, was there one or two spots in, in the pathway that we had to go um, on the right side of the picture. If you can look at this picture, um, there's a set of stairs that come down from quite a little uh, jaunt down a set of stairs. It kind of winds around, but to the left of where the gentleman's standing, there's a handrail, but there was an actual slide. Very you, polished. You had to sit on your butt and pick your feet up and slide down through this little slot um, between some rocks to get into the next um, little opening. And uh, it was pretty fun. Yeah. And this guy had no there. trouble. Yep. He had no yeah, trouble. Because they were, they were a little concerned. Are you going to be okay? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. No problem. So <laughs> he was kind of fun and he ended up being kind of close to us throughout the whole tour. And yeah, it was a lot of, he was, um, adding a lot of color in his description of he everything. He did add a lot of color, that. and it was also fun to watch him um, try and hit on that ranger the whole time. Yeah, he was uh, entertaining. I'm looking at his hat up close, and it looks like... Is that a maple leaf on the back of his head? It is. Alder, Alder Gate Grave Credit Union. He <laughs> <laughs> got a free hat at the credit union. Got, yep. <laughs> Anyhow, this guy probably could talk himself into getting anything for free because he was a he was a wheeler dealer. He was a wheeler dealer and he was feisty. I enjoyed that. He added yeah. a lot to our little tour, I think. Um, So that was the Lewis and Clark Caves. I, I was glad we did it. I would do it again. But I wouldn't look forward to that hike from the visitor center. up Right. To the opening could do of the without cave. that. Lauren and Lauren didn't have any trouble with it. Of course, she lives out there. So. Yeah, she's, she's used, used to the, to the elevation. That doesn't seem to face her anymore. That's all that we explored of the Lewis and Clark State Park. But to my understanding, there's a lot more than just the caverns there. There's hiking. You can camp there, um, fishing. Um, I think if we go back, maybe we should plan like to camp for a night and and get be, a real feel for the place. That'd be fun. The um, Lewis and Clark caverns are near the tobacco root mountains out there they always refer to places by which mountain range you are by yeah because there's there i mean you're in the rocky mountains but there's specific ranges that have different names and different regions of montana yeah and i always i find them interesting yeah so i don't have a picture of this but the next stop after the caverns was um, to the little town of Phillips, Phillipsburg. And Phillipsburg is a um, a mining town. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you remember about Phillipsburg, Bill? 
mostly the candy store. <laughs> so yeah, mostly the candy store, which is called um the sweet pa- the sweet palace the grandest candy emporium in the american west i would agree yeah it was cool it's an old well the whole downtown of phillipsburg looks like a set out of the movies don't you think it's- yeah they purposely made all of the uh storefronts and everything look like an old old western you don't town. think that they're some of them are original well, some of them probably are original but they've anything fairly new is uh decorated to be looking like the, something out of the yeah it looks 1800s. like an old western town yep um i felt like a lot of it was pretty authentic a lot of the um stores are gem stores or places where you can go in to sell your gems or precious whatever rock (laughs) you know i found going into those stores was pretty fascinating they have those tall dresser looking pieces of furniture where you pull out skinny drawers and you can look at all the different yeah it's amazing they have huge collections of different little uh gemstones and stuff that you can buy that are they're haven't been finished or anything for the most part they they're kind of in a raw state that you can buy them and right they and, also had display cases with yes. absolutely finished polished oh yeah yeah for so, you know lots of money right right that area of um montana is known for its sapphires uh, montana itself is known for its montana sapphires they're pretty coveted i believe yeah their particular color of sapphire Another thing that you saw in a few places in Phillipsburg was where you could buy a sack of dirt. Yes. I think we've talked about this before. We thought it was pretty cheesy. Yeah, but it's it's a real thing that people do out there and they will buy. uh, Some of them will be a five gallon bucket of gravel or whatever. And you can sift through it and look for gemstones. Yeah, and they have it all set up for you to uh, sleuth it and sift it and and see if your $20 bucket of dirt has any hands, kind of gemstones out or not. Right. Yeah. Which I thought, what kind of an idiot tourist is going to get taken in by this? Lots of them. Yeah, lots of them. And I think next time we go, we're going to be I one think, of them. I think we should be one of them. Yeah, yeah, there was a gentleman who was standing next to one of, or sitting next to one of the stores that had the setup. And he was sifting through his sack of dirt. And we got talking to him, and he was actually, do you remember him? A realtor from yeah, Jackson, from Jackson Hole. Hole. So you know the guy was... Doing all right financially. Yeah, probably financially doing just fine. And not necessarily a silly tourist that could be taken in easily. And he said that his sister, um, like a week before that, had actually done the same thing bought a sack of dirt went through it and found a a beautiful montana sapphire that turned out to be worth several thousand dollars yeah 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 Yeah. so he was on a mission yep his sister could do it he was going to do it yep so um so that was fascinating um that alone i i mean the going through those um stores and getting a sack of dirt is good enough reason to go to phillipsburg but the candy store. 
sack of candy is better than the sack of dirt. We got us a sack of candy instead of a sack of dirt. Excuse me, could I have a sack of candy, please? (laughs) Yeah, it's an old-fashioned candy store um, with the bins of candy. And uh, they specialize in candy that maybe you remember from your childhood, but you just don't see it anymore. Yeah, a lot of it was stuff that when you and I were children... Uh, a few years ago, it was called penny candies. Yeah, I remember. Or even as a some kid. of it was half penny candies, so you could get two for a penny. Right. I remember walking to the in um, Canada where I grew up. We called them confectionaries. Your corner little corner store. Your little corner store, and um, we would go down there. And our mom would give us ten cents or something, and and you could ask for ten cents worth of penny candy. And they would get a little brown bag and they would fill up your your sack with 10 cents worth of candy. Yep. And so it was kind of reminded me of that. Only you got to pick your own candies and fill your bag up yourself. Yeah, everything was the same. They sold it by the pound and everything was was the same price per pound. So you could I just, think unless it was packaged, if there was something yeah, that was in a package, right. it was a but different. You could, they would give you a sack. And of course, they give you a big sack. Yeah. <laughs> and you would just start filling it up with a little of this and a little of that. And yeah. So we all went at it ourselves. Like everyone got their own bag of candy. And if you weren't careful, you had to go to the ATM to get more money to pay for the candy, <laughs> but it was worth it. I thought it was hilarious when we, you know, when we got to where we were staying and we looked at what each other's candy was that some of the, do you remember one of the things Lauren got was like a two foot long, Gummy, gummy snake, snake. Yep. <laughs> like really lord that's what you wanted <laughs> yep just wanted to bite the head off of a snake <laughs> and wear it around her neck yeah that i mean it's just funny it just turns you into a kid again for sure so yep. we loaded up on candy and then we went to our our destination did we stay there one night or two nights two nights two nights three days yeah so our destination was a um, forest service cabin. Do you want to talk about what those are, Bill? Yeah. Um, this picture that we're looking at uh, is a picture like the backside of the cabin that we stayed in. In Montana, and I think a lot of different states actually have the forest service um, agency is when would be part of the Department of Natural Resources. Um, but they um, have these what they call forest service cabins all over the state that are uh, this particular one we stayed in was an old homestead cabin but um, they have some modern ones and some really rustic ones sometimes they're old fire lookouts yeah there's some really cool but people can rent them you go on uh, just the forest service website to uh, rent these and uh, they're pretty coveted sometimes it's hard to get into them so we were pretty fortunate to get the one that we ended up with. Right. You you go online, you reserve it, you pay online. And then I think the day before your stay, you're, um, you get an email that gives you a combination code for opening the right. lock they, or they the usually gate have a or gate whatever. That has a lock on it. And you, the, the day, once they know that you've paid, Right. It's your days to be there. They send you a code of uh, the lock combination. To right. Get in. So you never really see anybody. No. And there's instructions. And um, like Bill said, the one we stayed in was an old homestead. 
Um, and I think I looked it up today. It's now $75 a night, but I think we paid 60. Yeah. And this particular cabin, um, I think it said it slept eight, but I think you probably could have had 16 people cause it had a, a huge, um, living room that had a big fireplace, a fireplace, a wood burning fireplace on one end. And there was three or four, uh, couches in there and, uh, a big old rug that you could sleep on and besides the bedrooms. So two bedrooms that yep. both had like full size beds, I believe. Right. And then there was a big porch in the front that I think you could also probably sleep people on if it wasn't, if it wasn't April, April in Montana. When we were there. You wouldn't want to do it that <laughs> it was we pretty there, cold but... when we were there. Yeah. So a little history about um this cabin. Let me just look in my notes. It's called the um Case, no, Morgan Case Homestead. Um, the cabin belonged initially to Agnes Morgan, and she was an African-American woman who worked as a cook for um, some sir, soldier after the um, Civil War. And he died, so she was in the cabin by herself. And somebody, she came across this man on the side of the river who was sick with typhoid. And she took him back to the cabin or the homestead and nursed him back to health. And they said that the history says that they took a liking to each other and they were, they ended up sharing the, the homestead for the rest of their lives together, hmm. which probably was you would think somewhat very, scandalous very back taboo in that time. for that day yeah. that's for sure but maybe not out in the wild west who knows yeah who knows so um the homestead was refurbished in 1979 i believe okay um let me no i should i should be careful between 1999 and 2009 that's when they refurbished the homestead and it's pretty sweet inside. I and mean, you, yeah, it, it does not have a bathroom indoors. You have to go outside to a pit toilet. Yeah, there's and, no running water. And there is heat. Do you remember there was there heat? There is but, electric baseboard heat, and they set it at 50 degrees. Yeah. So nothing, the pipes never freeze during the winter, but it never gets really warm in there either. And there's a pump for water. There's a hand pump outside. But, and this picture we're looking at. It's um, showing the tall, tall trees and the homestead beyond the trees. And you and Lauren are at in front of the homestead there trying to get the hand pump to work. But right. it was locked. Right. Oh, one other thing in this picture is there. This was the cabin itself had a fence all the way around it. Do you think that was because of bears? I think that's what it was intended for. Although a bear could either climb over it or walk through it anywhere they wanted to. Yeah. For sure. I wondered about that too. The On the Forest Service site, they describe it as uh, a homestead cabin in the Sapphire, Sapphire Mountains, surrounded by Douglas fir and lodgepole pines. And you can see in this picture, those tall pines that just dwarf the cabin. They were really tall pine trees. Really, really tall, impressive pine trees. Yeah. It was a, it's, um, the property is 320 acres. I didn't realize that when we were there. 
No, I had no idea it was that much property that they owned. And um, like I said, the Sapphire Mountains on the across the road from the from the homestead, and then the uh, Rock Creek River flows through the property. Right, which we had no idea that Rock Creek is actually one of the best fly fishing rivers in all of Montana. <laughs> Correct. And it's a good thing it was there because like we were talking about this in this picture, you're trying to um, operate the hand pump for water, but it was locked. And I didn't realize that water is actually an issue in Western states. Right. We get so spoiled around here because we have so many freshwater lakes and stuff that. Right. Uh, in Michigan, when you're, you know, surrounded by freshwater lakes, we never think about rationing water or a shortage of water or right right but in montana that it's a it's a deal so they're very careful with their water and this pump was actually locked and um so we had to go to the river to collect water if you go to our next picture bill oh yes this is a picture of bill kneeling down on the side of the river panning water into a cooler to take back to the cabin so we could boil water and have water for the yeah, for cooking and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We had to boil it all up and, uh, and it was a little hike from the homestead down to the river yeah, too. Yeah. So we were roughing it. Yes. <laughs> Although I must say though, the outhouse, the outhouse was one of the nicest outhouses I've ever had to Deluxe. use. <laughs> It, the outhouse was actually part of a little outbuilding that was like a garage. Yeah, sort of. it was like a woodshed. And that was one of the other things that was kind of cool about that cabin was there was a whole stack of firewood that was already split. And they ask you to split enough, wood enough to replace what you, replace what you um, had used. So that was kind of a and we did community the, thing. The homestead had a beautiful fieldstone fireplace all across one end of the cabin. And we had a fire going the whole time because it was cold inside the cabin yeah. in April. Yeah, it did. It did warm it up pretty decent, it actually. Did, but not all the way to the bedrooms. Yes, because you and I actually went and slept on the floor in front of the well, fireplace. We actually moved the mattress off the bed and yeah. put it in the right. middle of the living room. In front yeah, of the we fireplace. didn't just sleep on the floor. We put the mattress on the floor from but the bedroom. But the other thing we could do by doing that was in the middle of the night, it was easy to get up and add wood to the fire. And right. Yeah. But it was cozy. It was so cozy. It was nice. I loved that. Yeah. I really did love that cabin. So um, we, we, oh, go to the next picture. I'd forgotten about this, Bill. I did. I... When you're in Montana, you should never hike alone. That's what they tell you. As a matter of fact, currently, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Bill, they have been searching for over a week in the Tetons for a hiker who has gone missing. and. Um, there's been a few reports of people who had seen the hiker along the trail. And because he was hiking alone, nobody really knew where he was going, where he would be hiking. So yeah, trying that's to, trying not a to good look idea. for him. Not a good idea. Well, and out in the West with the mountains, like that's like looking for a needle in a haystack. So um, they really advise you never to hike alone. So what did you do? I just went for a little walk. Yeah. A little walk. I could the see the cabins all the all the time I was out. We could not see you though. I, well, I have to say I was freaking out just a little bit. I could see you. You were in front of the cabin painting at one point. I did paint a picture of the cabin, but 
I couldn't see you. I was trying to keep my eye on you. And I, after a while, I could not see you, but you say you can see us. But this next picture is a picture of something really interesting you found on your solo hike. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Um, I was hiking up the side of a mountain, actually trying to catch up with a herd of bighorn sheep that I thought for sure was not that far away. <laughs> only to find out that I never actually caught up with them because it was they were a lot farther than I thought. I think in big sky country, everything seems like it should be closer than it really yeah. is. But this picture is actually showing uh, something that I stumbled on, um, and it was a stake in the ground with the mason jar screwed to the side of the stake. And the, this picture is showing the lid of the jar and what's left of the jar. Um, that has broken probably from snow from the winter. Um, and the piece of paper in this picture that's between two rocks, I actually put there. And it, what it was, was somebody's what claim. You put, you put the paper between the rocks? Yeah, I picked those rocks. Where one. was the paper when you found it? Because the mason jar is broken. Right. It was a little ways away. It was kind of stuck in some brush that was there. It so it was blown, just on the ground. Yeah, it had blown into some brush that was really pretty close to the whole oh, thing. Oh, aren't you sweet? So then I picked up what ended up being was somebody's claim to a, a mineral deposit that was right there, which I thought that because I read it and it gave the person's name and the the uh, land lot of uh, longitude and latitude well, we're not we're not going to post the, the paper, but I do have it in front of me so I can read what it says. Notice of location, quartz load. Claimant's name is Kenneth A. Larry. Uh, has his address and a date. The date was five uh, eight of two thousand and four. The name of the claim is Linda Bask B A S K. And then there's a, some another B-A-S-K-A maybe, Basca. The size is 600 foot by 1,500 foot in the county of Granite, Montana. Section 35, one quarter section northeast. Locator is Kenneth A. Larry. And there's a phone number, which it says is his cell phone number. So I don't know how that works in Montana that you find something that you think looks promising to uh, prospect and you just, if you stake your claim long enough, then you get to go up and prospect it. I, I don't know. I would think you'd have to go to the county building and, oh, register, and it. register it and probably pay a fee and you probably have it for so long and then you have to renew it renew it or abandon it or whatever. But So he had put his claim in a mason jar with the lid screwed to a stake and then screwed the mason jar back on, but somehow it got smashed. Right. And if I remember right, there were like a half a dozen of these stakes around the area that he was claiming to, like he had staked out the perimeter of. Oh, what, you saw more than one of these. Well, only oh. this one that had the, the original paperwork in it, but. Um, there was stakes. There were stakes around, yeah, what he was claiming as. Did you notice anything that looked like a promising place to dig for semi-precious? Well, at the time, stone? it just looked like a little, but there was big rocks, granite rocks there. Okay. And it looked like someone had dug near that already. Um, I mean, this rock that you have in the picture next to the broken mason jar. Yeah. 
it's a rock that's split in half. Yeah. I mean, it looks like the kind of rock that you see quartz, maybe. That's exactly. It's granite or quartz. Yeah. So that's fascinating. Yep. You know, for a short time, there was a show on the Weather Channel, of all places, that was about people who prospect and um, mine by hand for semi-precious gems in Colorado and a couple other states. And it kind of followed them along their season of looking for these precious stones. Yeah, I find it fascinating. Yep. It was pretty cool. Hmm. Seems like after we were out there, um, we... I don't know if someone told us about it, that particular show, but we started watching it after a while and I was like, wait a minute, that's what that was all about. Yeah, you're lucky you didn't get shot being on somebody's claim. It was on it was on public land. You can still they get pretty they get pretty territorial. It's a good thing you didn't have a spade and didn't start digging because Yeah, I may have had one <laughs> and they're never gonna know. Well, you didn't bring any semi precious. Nope, I didn't. So I know you said you kept you kept climbing and you kept following that animal trail because you thought you would catch up to the bighorn. And get yeah, some there pictures. was some natural trails that I was following. And uh, so if we go to this next picture, this was when it dawned on me that um, I am in somebody else's neighborhood because <laughs> this is actually a picture of the skeleton of a um, sheep. A bighorn sheep. Yep. That was up in a tree about 10 feet off the ground. And I'm like, sheep don't climb trees. Oh my goodness. This is mountain lion territory. Yep. And it had hauled this animal up in a tree and had eaten it, or part of it anyways. And there was the skeleton of the animal still up in the tree. And I thought, at that, that, is- at that point, I'm like, I am in somebody else's hunting grounds, so I am going back to Turn the cabin. Around. This is the spookiest thing. I, I mean, I, I don't, I couldn't find a picture that you had taken where it was pulled back so you could see how t- high up in the tree this was. Yeah. How high do you? How do? How it was you, about ten feet off the ground. So way taller than you. Yep. Yep. And I'd seen a few of these skeletons. Um, you know, on the path was like, you know, winter kill, I figured was, you know, they had oh, they're just dying died during causes. the natural causes or whatever, you know, it, they animals do that in the winter when it's rough going. And then when I saw this same kind of skeleton up in this Ten tree, up it's in a tree. like, oh no, this one got hunted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, there was this was a a bit of reality that I am not in my own backyard, so it's time to go back where it's safer. And perhaps I shouldn't go hiking by myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad that I you kept found- looking behind myself a lot as I was going after that. that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because we come from northern Michigan and we're used to our territory, we are a bit naive when we're out west. We're naive about a lot of stuff, like we're naive about drinking enough water. We're naive about, um, you know, being noisy when we're hiking. Yeah, we're getting better at it. We're getting more educated. But yeah, it's it's easy for people who don't live in those areas all the time and are um, not aware of all the potential problems you could run into. Right. You should carry bear spray. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. So I headed back to the cabin. And this next picture 
I think this next picture was the next maybe couple pictures were taken with Lauren's camera. Um, and this was, we discovered, we first saw a pair of bald eagles when we were going back and forth to the river to get water. Yeah. And uh, we thought that was cool. But we didn't realize until a few trips that the reason the eagles were hanging around was they had a nest in a tree right on the property, not far from the homestead. Yeah, it ended up being pretty close to the cabin when we finally looked around a little bit and figured out that, oh, this is this is their space too. There ought to be a different name for an eagle's nest. When I say the word nest, I think of a little tiny... Robin's nest or something. Yeah, something little, that, you know, you can hold it in the palm of your hand. Right. Or, but an eagle's nest is the size of a human's hot tub. You know? Yeah, I don't know if you could put this one in the back of your pickup. It was so big. They're humongous. They're and huge. I think they use them year after year and they yeah. add fresh stuff to them. Yeah. This was a really deep, really big nest. So this picture is shows the nest in the crotch of the tree and one of the adult eagles sitting in a in a branch above the nest. So at first we didn't know, you know, this was, were, was it middle of April, late April? We didn't know if they were just back, just starting to nest or if there was eggs in there or right. what the status was. Right. But if you go to the next picture. There was more than eggs. There was more than eggs. Let me get to that picture. Yeah, there was at least one baby eagle in that nest. And again, this is a picture that Lauren got. And this is, uh, and he looks like not that new either. No, that's what I'm saying. That This thing's got to be at least six weeks old. Well, a few weeks anyways. I mean, he's standing up. You can see his, you can't see his legs, but you can see his whole body. And boy, is he ugly. Yes, they were uh, <laughs> definitely the ugly ducklings. They almost look like turkey vultures when they they're do. babies. They do. They look like a little turkey vulture. They all beaked, yep. almost a bald head. They're and just, yeah. Fluffy. Yeah. Bald eagles are not beautiful until the end, to till they're mature. Yep. In my opinion. And then they always have an angry look on their face. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time out there trying to photograph these owls, I mean, owls, eagles, and the baby. Um, and the adult eagles did not like us being there. Yeah. No, they were, we, we, you know, we initially were like, what's all the fuss? They must not like us being this close to the river when they're fishing. But no, they didn't like us this close to their young. <laughs> and that nest was really high up in the it tree. It was. It was. It was not yeah. like we were going to climb up in it or right. anything. So there was a couple little bushes that we kind of would plant ourselves kind of behind the bush or by the bush. That way, if they right. swooped down and tried to get us, we could yeah, dive we, under we the bush. We had some cover anyways. Yeah, I think if we'd gotten too close, they might have taken a little bite out of crime. But oh yeah, they, they were being first. very, very defensive. Yeah. But that was yeah. really exciting. Yep. Uh, you know, back then, we didn't have the camera equipment we have now. No, we did not. Um, I Oh, I wish we had. I wish we had had our better cameras and our long, you know, 600 millimeter lens. The pictures we could have gotten. Yeah. Well, maybe we need to go back. Do you think that that pair of eagles or their offspring continue to use that nest? Wouldn't surprise me that that nest, I mean, it was, it looked like it had been there for a while. And like you say, they add to them all the time. So uh, unless, unless the tree fell down or something, you know, it's, 
like I say, it's been nine years since we were there. Right, but, right. Um, I'd go back. Yep. So let's go. I think this next picture is our last picture. Yep. And this is how we ended our day. <laughs> um, we did have decent meals. We packed we packed groceries and we yeah. and the kitchen in the homestead was actually pretty nice. It was a pretty nice kitchen. They uh the um, stove and refrigerator, I kind of chuckled because they were newer appliances, but they were retro. F- yeah, they based. looked like old, old They looked appliances. like old, old appliances, but they were, they were just, the facade they, of them was made to look old because so they was, were not. There was electricity in the cabin. Yeah. And if you look in this picture, it's a picture of Bill sitting in a chair eating his bag of candy with a bag of Cheetos next to him and probably some soda in that cup. But there is, um, the heat was hot water baseboard heat. So there, although there wasn't water in the cabin, there had to be, or do you think that was electric electric, baseboard? It's electric baseboard. Okay. All right. Electric. So there was just electricity. Yeah. Um, but we finished out our days with candy. (laughs) We had to have a dessert after every meal. Yeah, exactly. And a little bit all kept it going all through the day. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) Whenever we got depressed or something. Yeah, the look on your face is hilarious in this picture. (laughs) Like, don't take a picture of me eating this candy. So that was a 2013 um, exploration of the Tobacco Mountains, the Sapphire Mountains, Phillipsburg, a part of Montana that we hadn't been to before. That was so much fun. Yeah. I'm not sure I would know how to get there on my own again because it was... Do you remember the road to the homestead? It was narrow and gravel. It was a lot of gravel. Yeah, it was winding. It followed the the river for quite a little while. I remember you saying you wouldn't get an RV down that road. No, you would not. And there was another of these uh, Forest Service cabins. There was two more on that road. Five miles down the road, another one about 10 miles down the road, because we went and looked at all of them while we were there. It's really hard to get reservations for them. We were lucky, I think, because it was April. So yeah. it was a little ahead of the season. Yep. Um, but Lauren has told us in years since then that um, especially the Morgan Case homestead, that it's rented out, you know, as soon as the as soon as it's open for rentals for that year, it's pretty much rented in no time. So you got to be right on the ball or keep checking for cancellations or able to go like in the middle of the week when it's an awkward time. But um definitely worth doing and if you're going to be in montana or any other state that has these forest service cabins that's a really cool option for it is and fairly inexpensive in comparison to some places and usually they are kind of roughing it so if you don't mind a little bit of roughing it but that's a really good way to actually experience the you know nature and the and the state for what it is what it was yeah i know we we said it'd be a great place to uh, do day trips out of you know Absolutely. So, yeah. Not far from Missoula. Nope. About an hour. Close to the candy store. Yeah. And that was in the, <laughs> actually, I think this was actually in the Bitterroot Mountains, was it not? I, you know, I looked it up because I was, had been saying Bitterroot for years and it actually says the Sapphire Mountains. Okay. I think it's close to the Bitterroots. Okay. But. Um, they all run together. Yes. So uh, we promised in season two that we would end each podcast with a um, positive story, something uh, inspirational. What do you got, Bill? Well, I had a great story, but then it started raining and I just 
I got it. <laughs> that sounds like BS to me. <laughs> it may be. Hmm. I got nothing, Winnie. Okay. I have a story if you don't have one. Tell me a story. Okay. Um, I'm going to read just a little bit. An extremely rare colony of orchids, previously believed to be extinct in Britain, has been discovered growing on a City of London rooftop. What? (laughs) The small flowered tongue orchid, and then it gives its Latin name, which I can't pronounce, is normally found in the Mediterranean and hasn't been seen in the UK for over a decade. But 15 plants have been found on the 11th floor garden of the Japanese investment bank Nomura in in the city of London. It is only the second time this rarity has been recorded in Britain. With a a previous colony being found more than 200 miles away in Ramhead in Cornwall in 1989, unfortunately, the Cornish colony was destroyed in 2009 and the species was thought to have been gone extinct as a wild plant in the UK. It is not known for certain how the orchids arrived on the Nomuro roof, but Mark Patterson, who manages Rooftop Garden, believes it's plausible that they spontaneously colonized naturally without any assistance. I would think birds may have been involved. Birds may have been involved. But isn't that cool? It is. I mean, I guess that for me, that gives me hope for for the world. You know, we've here we are as humans destroying the planet by the second. And maybe Mother Nature will win over us in the end. Let's hope she's still looking out for us. Let's hope. So that's all I got for today, Bill. All right. Hope you enjoyed joining us on our uh, adventures in Montana. And uh, we'll come at you with something different in two weeks. So stay tuned and thanks for checking in with us today. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll see you in two weeks.